Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you that we are here in your presence today. We thank you that where you dwell, anything can happen. We know that when Jesus is in the house, miracles happen. Signs and wonders happen. Lives are changed for eternity and we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's such a joy. It is such a joy to be here this morning and to be with Dave and with Faye and to believe that the best years for you as a people aren't behind you. They're ahead of you. The best is ahead. It's not behind. Before we get into the word this morning, I'd just like to let you know about some resources that we've got at the back. Uh, We've got CDs, but also I've written two books. One of them is called Healing Flows. And basically, what I've done in that is, is try and give people a help in understanding how God heals. You know, there are a lot of people that come out for prayer for healing and they don't understand that it's the will of God because God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. You know, Malachi said this, or sorry, I don't know if it was Malachi, but he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we don't have knowledge, if we don't have understanding, we can never experience the truth. So that's one book. The other book that I finished this year is a book called Soul Control. I don't know about you, but the hardest areas that we all have to deal with is not out there. It ain't even a devil. It's in the mind and it's in the soul. You know, and if you can learn to rule your mind and rule your soul, if you can have a healthy soul, you can have a healthy life. So we've got some books up there. If you're interested, if we can serve you in any way, just see us at the end. If you've got your Bibles, can you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3? Exodus Three, and we're going to read from verse one this morning. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And then Hebrews 1, verse 7. Hebrews 1, verse 7. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels' winds. 
and his servants flames of fire. His servants flames of fire. You know, I believe that there's a truth. I believe that there's an emphasis within these verses that the Spirit of God is seeking to restore and emphasize in these days, and that is the fire of God. I believe that God wants to set his people on fire with his presence. You see, when the church is dry, when the church is barren, when the church is having, isn't having an effect on the nation, God wants to set his people on fire with his presence. That's what he did with the burning bush. The miracle of the burning bush was not the bush. The miracle there which Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. The miracle there was the fire of God that kept on burning and consuming. It didn't destroy and that kind of fire no man, no demon can put out. He wants to set his church on fire with his revival presence. Now, why does God want to set his people on fire with his presence? Well, God himself is fire. Just like God is love, God is also fire. When Moses gave the, the law the second time to the children of Israel, he says this in Deuteronomy 4 verse 24. He says, the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And you know, the fire that we see in the Father is also the fire that we see in the Son. Because if you go to the back of the book, to the book of Revelation, John there on the Isle of Patmos gets a vision of what Jesus is like. If you want to know what Jesus is like, go to Revelation chapter 1. John sees Jesus in all his glory and he said, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of many waters. His head and his hair were, were white like wool and his eyes were like flames of fire. Now the same fire that you see in the Father and the same fire that you see in the Son, you also find in the Holy Ghost because when Jesus ascended, the Holy Ghost descended. And you know, John the Baptist spoke about the baptism that Jesus would bring. He said in Matthew 3 verse 11, he said, he said I'm not worthy to, to even untie the sandals of the one who's coming, but he who will come will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Listen, there's fire in the Father, there's fire in the Son, there's fire in the Holy Ghost. You get around the Godhead and you're going to burn. And the same fire that we see in the Trinity is the same fire that's to rest and reside and burn in the church of Jesus Christ. And we see the traces of that fire all the way through the Bible. In fact, Psalm 78 verse 14 says that he led his people by a cloud by day. And a pillar of fire by night. Think of Elijah when he stood up between the prophets of Baal and the children of Israel. A man who said, thus says the Lord. And he said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Then think of Jeremiah when he carried the word of the Lord. He said, God's word is like fire. 
shut up in my bones. And you don't only see the fire in the Old Testament. It sets the church of Jesus ablaze in the New Testament. Because Acts chapter 2 opens up when there's suddenly a sound from heaven. The wind of God filling the people of God. Invasions of the Holy Spirit. And they spoke with tongues as of fire. Church, we need the fire of God. We can't live without the Holy Ghost. We need Holy Spirit baptisms that ignite us with the fire of heaven again. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I remember ringing my mom and I said, Mom, what do I need now? She said, you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, how will I know when I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost? She said, you'll know. I remember going to bed that night and I was in bed and I was just praying. I was saying, Jesus, I want to meet with you. I want to encounter you. I was up till about three o'clock in the morning and then suddenly out of my belly came this energy, this life, this force. And I spoke with tongues of fire. And I spoke for hours in the Holy Ghost. But I tell you something. When I woke up the next morning, I was completely different. The Holy Spirit changes you. The Holy Spirit makes the Godhead personal. The Holy Spirit makes the Bible personal. I got up that night. I went to my work. I remember that I told more people to Jesus, told more people about Jesus than I did anything else. And in those first few years, I led more people to Christ, prayed for more people to be healed. And I'm telling you something, what I experienced then, we can live in all the time. It's not by might, nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. John Wesley once said, when God's people get on fire, for Jesus the lost will come just to see you burn. Church, we need the fire of God again. We need the presence of God, the tangible presence of God in our gatherings. Where God does what only God can do. Let me give you quickly some characteristics about the fire of God that I believe needs to be restored to our lives today. Firstly, God's fire will consume you. God's fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost, will consume you. Hebrews 12 verse 29, which is virtually the same Verses Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, the writer to the Hebrews takes that and he speaks about an eternal characteristic of God. He says, for our God is a consuming fire. To consume is the very nature of God. In fact, Ezekiel gets a vision of God. In Ezekiel 1 verse 27, he said, I saw God and he was fire from the waist up. And fire from the waist down. God is consuming fire. That means that if God is consuming fire, everything he has ownership of, he wants to consume. See, the problem with some Christians today is that they want Jesus Christ as Savior. But you don't just need a Savior, you need a Lord. 
Jesus Christ wants to be Lord over your life. He wants to consume you with his presence. He wants to consume you with his interests. He wants every part of your life because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants every part of your life and your family to be consumed with him and him alone. In fact, David said it. And Jesus takes the word of David and he says this. He says, zeal for your house has consumed me. Listen, God doesn't want you cold. God doesn't want you lukewarm. He wants you on fire for Jesus. In fact, you read about Jesus and how he came to the churches in the book of Revelation. He says this in Revelation 3 verse 15, when he came to the church of Laodicea, he said, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. In fact, Jesus is saying to the church there, he said, look, make your mind up. Be hot or be cold, but don't you dare be lukewarm. Don't you dare be lukewarm. You know, your body hates things that are lukewarm. If you go out for a meal today and you get served that meal, if that meal is lukewarm, what are you going to do? You're going to send it back. If you go to Starbucks or Costa or somewhere else for a coffee, a latte, a cappuccino, if that coffee comes out and it's lukewarm, what are you going to do? You're going to send it back. In the summer, if you ask for, a, for, for an ice cold Coke and that comes to you and it's lukewarm, what are you going to do? You're going to send it back. It's repulsive to your body. And what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. God wants you, church, to be on fire for Jesus. He wants you hot for his presence, on fire for him and him alone. You know, there was a commandment in the book of Leviticus that God gave to the priests. And he said this in Leviticus 6 verse 12 and 13, he said, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning and it shall never be put out. Listen, your altar today is not a stone altar because you are the temple of God. Your altar is your heart. It's your mind. And God wants the fire of his presence to keep burning in your heart. And I'm telling you, it can change this morning if you will give your heart and your mind and your life to Jesus Christ. Tommy Tenney once said this, he said, fire doesn't fall on empty altars. There has to be a sacrifice on the altar. Listen to this. If you want the fire of God, you've got to be the fuel for God. I believe there's some people in this room this morning, you're saying, I'm done with just playing with God. I'm done with just playing with churches. I don't want to just go to church meetings. I want to see cities. I want to see towns. I want to see nations changed by the presence of God. I want to be a fire starter. I want to carry the glory of God. I want to do everything in my life to serve the purposes of God. In my generation, fire consumes but fire also refines. God is not only a reviver, but he's also a refiner. 
You want revival? It's going to change you. I remember a lady coming up to me a number of years ago and she said, I'm praying for revival in the world. Wrong prayer. Wrong prayer. Revival doesn't start in the world. Revival starts in the church. That's why David continually prayed in the Psalms, revive me, revive me, revive me. You get revival in the church, you get spiritual awakening in the world. Praise God for what God is doing in churches like this and churches like, like, like different churches in the UK, but it's not enough. We've got over 8 billion people in this nation and if we're going to make a major impact, we can't do it just with word, but with demonstration of the spirit and power. Malachi 3, verse 1. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the message of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. Now the prophet here says that God is not only a fire, a consuming fire, but he's also a refining fire. You know the word refiner is not something that we would naturally associate with today. It's not a job that you could really explain. But in biblical times, it was a common job. And you know, a refiner would take a piece of formless metal, a piece of metal that was dirty, a piece of metal that was soiled, and he would see the potential in the metal. Don't you dare write your life off this morning. Don't you dare think, what about this and what about that that's going on in my life? What about the dross that I'm carrying? He sees the potential in you. He sees the destiny in you. He sees the call of God upon your life. Others might look at the surface of your life, but God looks at the heart. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody condemn you. Don't let anybody put you down. Don't let those religious devils speak into your life. You're a child of God. You're not a slave of sin. Refiner would take a piece of metal and he put it into the furnace and he turned the furnace up to an intense heat and he'd watch and he'd wait. Anybody been in the furnace lately? Sometimes it's not the enemy that puts you through the furnace, it's God himself. You see, God never tempts, but he tests. God never punishes, but he disciplines. If he loves you, he's disciplining you. Read Hebrews. So he gets hold of that piece of metal and he puts it in the furnace. And he turns it up to an intense heat. And he watches the impurities and the dross and the rubbish and the dirt come to the surface. And he takes out the piece of metal. Wipes it off and guess what? He puts it back in the fire. Let me say the best place to stay is in the fire. And he goes through that same process, maybe six, seven, or eight times until he knows that that piece of metal is pure. Until he knows that that piece of metal is ready to be used. And the way that he knows that that piece of metal is ready, that piece of metal is pure, is that when he takes it out, on maybe the seventh or the eighth time, he can see the reflection of his face. 
in that piece of metal. And you know, what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. God wants to put you in the fire. God wants to put you in the furnace. He wants to take those fears. He wants to take those doubts. He wants to take those things that have held you back. Maybe those addictions. Maybe that cynical attitude. Maybe those things that are going on in your soul. He wants to put you in the fire so that he can burn it out. So that you and I can show the glory of one person and one person alone. Jesus! Paul put it like this. He said, it's no longer I that liveth but Christ. That liveth in me. Fire refines us. Fire consumes us. But God's fire illuminates and brings light. Exodus 13 verse 21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. It was a cloud by day. It was fire by night to give them light. You know what it's like if you go into a darkened room and you can't see anything in that room, you light a candle. And that candle, that that light off that candle, that flame will light up the whole room. When Jesus came to the earth, one of the seven sayings that he said, one of the seven I am sayings that Jesus said to the world was this, I am the light of the world. But you see, what he had, he's given to us because he's given us the same responsibility. Matthew 5 verse 14 Jesus says this to you and to me and to every one of us that are believers in this room this morning. He said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Not a people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, church, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. But he's placed his light within us. And God doesn't want us to hide our light. He wants to allow our light to shine. We've got to remember that we're not just here for maintenance. We're here for mission. You know this church emphasizes family. But I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to you this morning, I believe that this is a strap line, a phrase that he wants you to remember. You're a family on mission. You're a family that are to show the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God. You're to let your light shine in your home, wherever you're placed. He wants the light of God to shine through you. In fact, I believe that the prophetic words that were uttered in Genesis chapter 1, God wants us to prophesy in Newport today. You know Genesis chapter 1, the earth was formless, darkness covered the face of the earth, and God said, let there be light. I believe the Spirit of God wants to take those words that he spoke at the beginning of time. He wants to write them on your heart. He wants you to prophesy them and speak them and declare them wherever you are. Let there be light. My husband isn't saved. Let there be light. I'm the only Christian in this workplace. Let there be light. 
I can't handle life at the moment. It's all about you. No, it's not about you. It's about him. Let there be light. I'm telling you, God is ready to save people. Now is the day of salvation. You know, about two years ago, myself and Anna were in a meeting in Aberdeen. And during that meeting, I was just looking and I recognized the person at the back of the hall. Let me take you back 25 years. 25 years ago, I was on an evangelistic team that traveled around South Wales. All we did was share the gospel. We went to different towns and on this one occasion, we went to Merthyr. Most of you know Merthyr. If you're from Merthyr, praise God. I'm not going to make any jokes about Merthyr because somebody will probably write to me or send me an email. So praise God for Merthyr. But I remember going up to the Gurness estate and we were working there for two weeks. And I was going from house to house and I knocked on this door. Young man came to the door. I said, Jesus loves you. He said, what? Beep, 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 beep. Bang, door closed. I went off, went round that, that, that estate with the rest of the team, went home, praying during the week. The Holy Spirit said to me, you've got to go back to that house. Is that God? I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. Where did that come from? Holy Ghost said, it ain't a spirit, it's me. You need to go back to that house. Okay, Lord, I went back. Following week, about to knock that door, I could hear this Alsatian. As my brother knows, I didn't like dogs back then. Started praying Psalm 91. Thousand will fall on one side, 10,000 on the other, but God's going to look after me. That young lad opened the door again. He said, what are you beeping doing here? I said, Jesus loves you. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Oh, beep off. Close the door. Went home. I said, Lord, I've done everything that you wanted me to do. I've shared the gospel with him. Moved on. After a few days, the Holy Spirit said, go back to that house again. Listen, when you don't know what you're doing, God knows what he's doing. You've got to remember that Jesus is not only your alpha, he's your amiga. He's not only in your past. Some of you are thinking about the past now. You need to think about your future. He's in your future. I went back to that house. He opened the door. I said, Jesus loves. Close the door. 25 years on, I'm in this meeting. End of this meeting, a man comes up to me. He said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. He said, about 25 years ago, you came to my house. And you said, Jesus loves me. He said, I was resisting you. He said, I heard you three times. I closed the door on the third time and I was hoping you'd come back. He said, but when you stopped speaking, God continued to speak. He said, a year later, he said, when I was at complete rock bottom, 
He said, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, today, my family's saved. He said, today, I've been to Bible college. He said, today, my life is completely revolutionized because Jesus sent you. Church, don't despise. Don't despise the day of small things. God wants to use you. God wants to use you to allow the gospel to speak through you. I hear you, Holy Spirit. There's people in this room right now. You've got loved ones that aren't saved. Stand to your feet right now. Right now. Right now, we're going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. You've got sons. You've got daughters. You've got husbands. You've got wives. I want you to raise your hands right now. I've got to go with what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every prodigal. I pray for every backslider. I pray for every husband. I pray for every wife. I pray for every child that's not walking with God. I declare unto these people that the day of small things hasn't ended. We declare that this is the day of salvation. We declare what Paul said that you and your household shall be saved. I call in sons. I call in daughters. I call in husbands. I call in wives. I call in children. I call in those that have been lost, that have walked with God, that are walking away right now. I bind every spirit in hell right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I say loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. You need to celebrate right now. If you believe that, if you believe they're coming into the kingdom right now, you just need to rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. You know, the Holy Ghost is saying right now, praise him in advance. Come on, praise him in advance. Praise him in advance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Finally, God's fire will release God's glory. The reason the fire of God wants to consume you, refine you, shine through you, is to see the glory. Is to see the glory of God fill this earth with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 6, the seraph said this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth will be filled with his glory. I believe God wants to be visible in these days. I believe God wants to reveal his glory in these days. And I believe that there is a verse for you as a people that God wants to speak over you today. It's Haggai 2 verse 9. Haggai 2 verse 9. And I'm prophesying it. I'm speaking it into being right now. Lord, however we've got to change, whatever we've got to do, whatever wineskin we've got to change, we're saying we're here, we're available. We're not here to build our church. We're here to build Jesus' church. We want to build it your way. And we're saying, oh God, let your glory fill the house. The glory... Of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord. You know, this church has known many blessings. 
This church has seen a number of moves and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. This church has known times when there hasn't been room to sit in a seat where people have just been queuing down the road just to get into this place because the glory was here. But that's former glory. The latter glory that God is destined for this people has to be greater than anything you've seen or imagined. You know, when I think of former glory, I think of visitations in this nation. I think of the Hebrides Isles. I think of Duncan Campbell. I love reading about revival. He went to the Hebrides and the whole island was filled with the glory of God. Church services went on from nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock in the morning till till 3 a.m. Because the glory of God filled that whole aisle. There were thousands upon thousands of people coming to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When Duncan Campbell was asked to give an account what that was like, he said, it's like the whole island has been saturated with God. We want Newport to be saturated with God. When I think of revival and think of a former glory, I think of the Welsh revival. Where God raised up Evan Roberts and in six months, a hundred thousand people, think about that for a moment, came into the kingdom of God. But that's former glory. We're believing for latter glory. We're believing for a time when God is going to fill his, his house with himself. Because I don't know about you, I believe we're living in the last days. I believe Jesus is coming soon. You look at what's happening in Europe. You look what's happening around the world. We are in the last of the last days. And God wants us to wake up and be aware and ready for him to suddenly come to his temple and fill us with himself. You know the glory of God is not something that's in heaven. The glory of God is here. You know, Jesus said this in John 17, verse 21. He said, I pray that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. But he didn't end there. He said this in verse 22. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them. That the world may believe that you have sent me. Listen, the glory of God, the manifestation of the glory of God is going to fill the whole earth. But before it fills the whole earth, it's going to fill the church. Isaiah said, arise, shine for your light is come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. Gross darkness is covering the face of the earth. But the Lord will arise upon you. God wants his glory to be seen. God wants his glory to be visible. Not only with the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word. And I believe in the preaching and the teaching of the word. But we need more. If the preaching and the teaching of the word was enough. We would have filled this nation right now. With converts and disciples of Jesus Christ. We need the power. We need the demonstration. Of the Holy Spirit. You know I was in Canada. In September and in a meeting there, we prayed for the glory of God just to fill that house, fill that church where the people were. And at the end of the meeting, a, a grandmother brought up her, her, her granddaughter and he said, she said, will you pray for her? She can't see. I started to pray for her. 
prayed that the glory of God would come upon her. And she went back to a seat. There was no real evidence of, 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 of anything visibly. At the end of the meeting, I was out the back with a pastor and, and the grandmother comes in and she, she was crying. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, she's seeing. She said, you can see the light. She can see the words. She said, her sight is coming back. Listen, God doesn't want to do just one-off miracles like that. He wants to do them every day of our lives. These signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out demons. They will speak the gospel of Jesus Christ with power. It's time for the glory of God to fill us. It's time to believe for visible demonstrations of the presence of God. You know, when I was a child, myself and my brother lived in Portugal with my mum and dad. We were missionaries. And every month, my mum and dad used to go up to this church in Peniche, which is a fishing village in the north of Portugal. And I remember on this one occasion, we were... At that place, there was a prayer meeting that went on. And dad opened the meeting as usual. I've spoke to him many times about this. He said, but John, there was something different about that night. He said, as I opened that meeting, it was like the cloud of God's presence just filled that room. He said, and everybody just fell on the floor. Everybody was under the power of God. Listen, you can't manufacture the presence of God. You know, I've been in meetings, big meetings sometimes, and, and, and the evangelist, maybe the celebrity evangelist, has stood up and said, I feel the power of God in this room. Don't you feel his presence? No. I'm just being honest with you. I know God's always here, but you know. You know when God is there. You feel the impact of that yourself. Dad was there. On the floor, unable to move. People were laughing, people were crying, people were weeping. Because God was visibly in that house. I don't know how long that went on for. Could it be moments, could it be minutes, could it be hours, I don't know. But dad said all of a sudden he heard, he heard a knock at the door. He thought, what's that noise? And then all of a sudden a few firemen came into the room. They lifted dad up and, and, and the fireman said to dad, where's the fire? And dad said, well, there's no fire. They said, look, we've had phone calls from five, ten miles away. There's fire coming out of the roof. Fire coming out of the windows. Fire coming out of the building. Where's the fire? Listen, that was no natural fire. That was the supernatural fire of the Holy Ghost. Read your Bible. You find it all the way from Genesis to Revelation. That was the fire of God that was burning and consuming and moving on the people of God. And the same fire that burnt there is the same fire of the Holy Spirit that's going to burn in our gatherings, in the days ahead, fire will consume you. Fire will refine you. Fire will make you a light with a mission. And fire is for his glory. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That lady in the red top there, could you come forward, please? Somebody just get behind her right now. The anointing of God breaks the yoke. I'm going to command all sickness to leave your body right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Power of God from the top of your head to the soles of your feet right now. In Jesus' name. Lusa. 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 In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Be healed. Be healed. I command those bones to be healed. I command that arthritis to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Loose her and let her go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Keep receiving, sister. I don't know you, but I saw you in the spirit this week. You celebrate your healing. I saw you in the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's been some things lost. God says restoration right now in the name of Jesus. There's been some devastation that's gone on your life. There's been some devastation gone on your life. The enemy's come to kill, still, and destroy, but you've stood strong. You've been faithful to the Lord. You've been faithful to the Lord. You've been faithful to the Lord. It's your time. It's your time and it's your turn. It's your time and it's your turn. It's your time and it's your turn. It's your time. I rebuke every devil. I rebuke every spirit. I rebuke every power of darkness off your life. I command a restoration of the years that the locusts have eaten in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You know, it says in the book of Timothy that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Matthew records Jesus saying this as his first words in the book of Matthew. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't want you to think about salvation this morning. I want you to receive salvation. Listen, listen, if I had a miracle cure for an incurable disease that you had and you came into my office and said, can I have that cure? And I said to you, well, just go away. Think about that. I would be causing you to still live in death But if Jesus has the cure, you can receive it today. You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you're a sinner this morning, we all have been. We were born into a world of sin. The only way we can have our sin forgiven is through a Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. And if you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never made a decision to receive Christ, don't think about it. Receive Him into your life. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what next week will bring. You know, the Bible speaks about a heaven, but it also speaks about a hell. 
God doesn't want you to go to hell. God wants you to have eternal life, to live with Him forever. Not only in heaven, which is future, but to enjoy life to the fullness now. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He didn't say just think about it. He didn't say just take it or leave it. He said you must be born again. And if you're not saved this morning, I'm imploring you to give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to speak to everybody in this room that might have never made a decision. If you've made that decision, don't put your hand up. But if you're in this church and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus into your life, you can be a a new creation today. You can have all of the the past wiped away in in a millisecond. You've just got to respond to the Lord. If you want to ask Jesus into your life, just close your eyes, everybody, right now. If you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Raise your hand right now. Is there anybody in this room right now saying, I want to give my life? Thank you. Well done, girl. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Can the helpers just see where this young lady is and just, I don't know what you do. Is there anybody else in this room? You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Please get to where she is. Secondly, if you're in this room this morning and you're saying, oh God, I want more of you. I want to be consumed with you. I want to be refined by you. I want anything that's lukewarm to go. Listen, we've all been lukewarm. You know, there's been times where I just walked away from God, but His grace And His mercy were enough. You don't come this morning to a throne of judgment. You come to a throne of grace. To receive mercy and grace in your time of need. But if you're saying, God, I want more of you. I want to see revival in this land. I want to see revival in my life. I want to meet with you. I want to encounter you. I want more than what I've got. I'm not happy at where I'm at. I want the fire of God to find me and I want to find the fire of God. I want to burn with God from now on into, new year, into the new year like I've never burned for God ever before. If that's you, come forward right now. Don't waste any time. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward saying, I want to see revival in this church. I want to see a move of God. I want to be committed to Dave and to Faye and to the leadership here. I'm not happy. I'm not settled. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want to be there, Lord. It's not enough. I need more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come. Let the hungry come. Let the hungry come. Let the hungry come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pass back to Dave. And I'm just going to lay hands on you all quickly. But I want you to receive it by faith. doesn't matter if you stand up. doesn't matter if you go down. But receive by faith and look what God will do. Thank you, Dave.